You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported, Community Radio for South Central Indiana. Good afternoon. Reporting for WFHB, this is Brandon Blewett. And I'm Cade Young. This is the WFHB Local News for Monday, July 31st, 2023. Later in the program, local journalist Dave Askins of the B-Square Bulletin provides a report on the Bloomington Community Survey from the media outlet's Morning Bulletin. More in today's feature report. Volunteers make Lotus Fest happen. They're at the center of everything that we do. We would love for WFHB supporters and listeners to get involved in the festival as well. That's Patty Moon, volunteer coordinator for the Lotus World Music and Arts Festival. She needs 400 volunteers to make this year's 30th annual Lotus Fest a success. Learn more later in the show on a new episode of Activate. But first, your daily headlines. The Bloomington City Council met on July 26, 2023. Director of Survey Research for Poll Co., Jade Arocha, shared the results from a citywide survey asking citizens various questions about their experience in the city. The survey ranked Bloomington alongside 500 cities, which the surveyors had in their database. Arocha shared that this is the fourth year Bloomington has done the survey. Our first key finding, Bloomington residents continue to have a positive quality of life. So about three quarters of respondents rated the overall quality of life in the city as excellent or good in 2023. And similarly, about the same proportion of residents viewed Bloomington as a place to live favorably. And then about uh, seven in 10 gave excellent or good ratings to the city as a place to raise children and as a place to visit six in 10 to their neighborhood as a place to live. Uh, and roughly half to Bloomington as a place to work and to retire. Bloomington as a place to grow a business uh, that received excellent or good ratings from 39% of residents. She walked the council through characteristics that residents said pertain to Bloomington, the highest being the overall opportunity for education and enrichment. So the survey asks about a number of broad community characteristics um, as in past years. And so we've displayed the the, this year's survey data as well as the 2021 survey data side by side here. So when rating the set of eight community characteristics, um, about eight in 10 gave positive ratings to overall opportunities for education and enrichment and the quality of the overall natural environment in Bloomington. Generally speaking, um, ratings related to um, education and enrichment, adult educational opportunities, et cetera, tended to be um, above average ratings in Bloomington. Arocha went over what residents liked the most about Bloomington, according to the survey. When asked to select from a list the one thing that they liked most about living in the city of Bloomington, um, 18% of respondents indicated that they were pleased with the access to educational opportunities and to the university, and this was the most commonly selected um, response option. 14% Uh, chose the sense of community and small town feel, and a similar proportion uh, selected that it was beautiful or the appearance of the city and that it was eco-friendly. And then about one in 10 selected either cultural activities and entertainment, uh, the people, or that uh, it's a friendly place. Then 
Arocha announced the results from the survey pertaining to what residents like least about the city, namely the lack of affordable housing and the prevalence of homelessness. Residents were also asked to indicate what is one thing that they like least about this Bloomington. Um, and so about half of respondents here um, in this question in this question mentioned the lack of housing or, or homelessness. Um, sorry, combined half, so 25% on affordable housing and homelessness, 22%, uh, 16%. Uh, mentioned roads, traffic, or public transportation. So those three rose to the top um, as far as the top three categories that were mentioned by residents. Uh, one in 10 also mentioned that they were unhappy with development um, or government um, topics related to government, such as politics, trust, or decision-making. After the presentation, there were a few questions from the council members. Council member Jim Sims questioned the validity of the survey sample which represents all the residents despite less than 20% of the population responding to the survey. Is it correct that 3,000 households were contacted and there were 367 responses? That is correct, yes. Okay, and, and I don't have a reason at this point to dispute or disagree with those findings. I guess what I'm really wanting to know is how were those responses statistically weighted so that they reflect the entire Bloomington population. Can you explain that to us, how that happened? How 367 uh -huh. people can, yeah, I'm sorry, go ahead, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes, great question. Um, so with regard to waiting, we do ask a series of demographic questions on the survey, which map to the US census. So then we use census data to um, to identify the population, what we call the population norm for Bloomington, so who actually lives in the community. And then we evaluate who we heard from, um, which is called the unweighted data. And then we use um, statistical analysis programs. In our case, we use SPSS to uh, statistically weight the data, which then um, essentially performs adjustments to the data to make it more representative of your residents and accounts for any discrepancies for example, older residents tend to respond to surveys at higher rates than younger residents. Um, so the um, the waiting process makes adjustments for that. This is a, a very pivotal part of the um, gold standard survey industry process. Um, waiting unweighted data um, or raw data are, are not the data to refer to. The weighted data is definitely what you want to consider as your representative um, information. Okay, thank you. And lastly, of those 367, um, do those reflect or do you have records that reflect um, income differences between those respondents and or racial and social and cultural differences? So of those 367, you have an idea of which demographic group those responses came from? Mm -hmm. Yes, we do. Next. The council heard from Director of Planning and Transportation, Scott Robinson, about the Lower Cascades Park pedestrian and bicycle network. The road going through Lower Cascades, called North Old State Road 37, had been set aside to be closed to through traffic to increase the connectivity for bicyclists and pedestrians, specifically for students at Bloomington North High School that don't drive. That plan heard opposition from residents who said the road should remain open. Robinson walked the council through the options available to use the road moving forward. 
In the memo, I outlined four possible alternatives to consider for this southern uh, piece of the network. Um, the first is kind of a no-build opportunity. Um, if that were the decision uh, to move forward with, we would need to amend our comprehensive and transportation plans to remove that um, guidance, that policy guidance to implement that type of infrastructure on this portion of the roadway, and we would need to build a, a sidewalk um, in order to provide uh, accessibility to one of our uh, destinations. Second is uh, option would be a new trail or separated trail from the roadway. Um, Councilmember Volan mentioned the, the $3 million price tag. Um, that's a very general estimate, but it, uh, until we get into the de design phase, this would be by far the most expensive alternative to consider in this section of road. Um, primarily, there's very limited uh, road width to work with because of the cl close proximity of the stream bank the steep slopes and the, the trees. Um, so this would by and far be the most expensive alternative to consider. Uh, the other alternative is uh, something that we looked back uh, some time ago in the past about, could we convert the road to a one-way road where a, a portion of the road could serve as a trail? Um, that's another alternative to consider. That one has its challenges too, um, primarily which direction of flow would the traffic be for the one-way traffic? Uh, the road would need to be widened in order to accommodate both the trail and a one-way road. Uh, feasibility, I'm not sure if that we have enough width to be able to do that. Um, and then the last fourth option is the roadway conversion. Again, where this section of road would be converted to a trail. Um, access to the all other amenities in this area would still be accessible via automobile, uh, bike and ped, um, what have you. Um, this section again would be uh, evaluated and designed to be closed and converted. Where that, where those points of closure would be would be determined at a later point. I do wanna point out that all of these considerations, um, we need to be mindful of the streamside stabilization that needs to take place along the, the corridor here. Uh, we need to coordinate with IMI, uh, the concrete facility uh, just north of the bypass. Um, there may be utility upgrades needed um, along the corridor. All of these will be meet ADA compliance for accessibility standards. Um, I will say that uh, there might be federal funding limitations depending on which alternative is chosen. Um, not impossible, but uh, anytime you impact a park, anytime you're close to streams, uh, there might be some historic factors, uh, definitely raise some red flags when using federal funding, so that might limit our options when considering funding op opportunities moving forward. Robinson warned that if they do expand the street to accommodate both uses, it could have harmful effects on the streamback. He explained that streamback stabilization is a priority. I just wanted to provide a little context. As, as you all know, that we had the pilot study where we had closed temporarily closed the road um, and then there was a June 2011 storm event that actually washed out a portion of the roadway. Um, obviously, you know, as part of uh, climate action and stream bank stabilization, that's something that we need to be mindful of. I, I think it's without saying much to, to point out that um, it, it's clear guidance, policy guidance from the city about climate action. As you can see, the storm really did damage the roadway 
the portion of the roadway was being considered. At the time when this pilot um, came to an end, the decision was to reopen the road and install traffic calming features. That was not a permanent de decision, that was a temporary decision. These improvements are not consistent with our plans and policies. It was an interim step and it does not meet the various needs and challenges uh, that are before us. The next Bloomington City Council meeting will be held Wednesday, August 2nd, 2023. In today's feature report, local journalist Dave Askins of the B-Square Bulletin provides a report on the Bloomington Community Survey from the media outlet's Morning Bulletin. We turn to Dave Askins for more. The B-Square Bulletin sends out an emailed morning bulletin every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. You can sign up for the morning bulletin by visiting bsquarebulletin.com and clicking on the tab labeled subscribe. Here's an entry from the edition that was sent out on Friday, July 28, 2023. Headline, Bloomington Community Survey Results, File Not Found. At its Wednesday meeting, Bloomington City Council got a presentation of the results from a community survey that is conducted every two years. This is the fourth time the survey has been done. A slide deck of highlights from the community survey results was made available before the council meeting. Of the highlights, here are some that struck me as notable. The number of respondents who say they feel very or somewhat safe in Bloomington's downtown has dropped from 60% to 44%. That's in 2023 compared to 2021. The number of respondents who say that the value of services for the taxes paid to the city is excellent or good has dropped from 66% to 39%. The number of respondents who say that the overall direction that the city is taking is excellent or good dropped from 52% to 34%. The number of respondents whose overall confidence in city government is excellent or good dropped from 44% to 32%. Rated as essential or very important by more than 60% of respondents were high-speed internet access, the Hopewell Project, and job creation in the trades district. But the convention center expansion was rated as essential or very important by just 18% of respondents. A link to the full survey results was posted to the city's website on Thursday morning. The link lives on a separate page that is dedicated to the community survey. That's bloomington.in.gov slash community survey. I visited the link that's included on that page and skimmed through the entire report. But later in the day, on Thursday, the same link led to a file not found error. I sent an email to the mayor's office asking about the busted link, but I have not heard back. I did not immediately download a copy of the report to my hard drive, which means any B-Square reporting on the full survey results will be delayed a little bit. By the end of the day Friday, before the weekend, I hope I can get a copy of the full survey and I am hopeful there is some simple explanation for a link that previously worked but is now busted. That's the end of the morning bulletin item. Now here's some good news. 
As of around 11 o'clock this morning on Friday, the link is fixed. From the full report, here's some results worth noting, which compare 2017 to 2023. All these numbers reflect the number of survey respondents who answered excellent or good. The job city government does at welcoming citizen involvement dropped from 69% to 48%. The value of services for the taxes paid to the city dropped from 68% down to 39%. Generally acting in the best interest of the community dropped from 65% down to 37%. The overall direction that the city is taking dropped from 65% down to 34%. Overall confidence in city government dropped from 62% down to 32%. Being honest and transparent dropped from 61% down to 31%. Treating all residents fairly dropped from 59% down to 26%. Listening to public concern dropped from 59% down to 25%. All right, until next week, this has been Dave Askins with the B-Square Bulletin for WFHB. Boone has been a fan of Bloomington's annual Lotus Festival her whole life. Now she gets to help others experience the magic of Lotus as the volunteer coordinator for the festival. Patty needs hundreds of volunteers to sign up to make this year's 30th Lotus World Music and Arts Festival a success. Activate is a partnership between WFHB and the City of Bloomington Volunteer Network, working together to build a strong, healthy, and engaged community. You can learn more about volunteer opportunities in the WFHB listening area at BloomingtonVolunteerNetwork.org or by emailing getconnected at bloomington.in.gov. Welcome to Activate, featuring real people working for positive change in our community, encouraging you to get involved, live your passion, and make a difference. Hello, my name is Patty Moon, and I'm the volunteer coordinator at the Lotus Education and Arts Foundation. The mission of Lotus is to connect communities in South Central Indiana with unique art experiences through global music. The program performs outreach and education programs throughout the year. One of our largest programs is Blossoms, which is education and outreach within schools around the area, both in Bloomington and in other areas in South Central Indiana. But Lotus is primarily known for our World Music Festival, which happens annually every fall. We're coming up on our 30th festival this year. 
and the festival is a really special and unique way to get artists from all over the globe into our community and have people of all ages have those unique experiences. This year's Lotus Festival is coming up on September 28th through October 1st. This year's festival will feature over 20 artists. Some artists that we're especially excited about this year are Maralito, San Salvador, and La Perla. I grew up in Bloomington and I've been around Lotus my whole life. I remember it being really special to get to go to the festival as a child. And as volunteer coordinator, it's really my goal to just engage as many people as possible in Bloomington and the surrounding areas with our efforts to spread world music. And I want to be able to provide that experience for other people as well. I remember that my older sister was always really passionate about Lotus and going to the festival and just like being the annoying younger sister, I wasn't allowed to go for a while. And I remember going for the first time and experiencing it with her and just feeling really special getting to hear so much music that I didn't usually hear and being able to experience that with her. WFHB and Lotus have been partners for years, and here at Lotus, we would love for WFHB supporters and listeners to get involved in the festival as well. Volunteers make Lotus Fest happen. They're at the center of everything that we do. Each year, over 400 people come together to make the festival happen and, and put on all of its operations. There are a lot of different projects within the festival that volunteers are able to work on, from setup, teardown, venue management, to merch sales. There's opportunities for everyone, but I know that this year we're going to need a lot of help, especially with shuttle drivers, setup, and teardown. So as a shuttle driver, you'll be working directly with artists, taking them from location to location, which is a really cool experience. And with setup and teardown, you get insight into what it takes to actually put on a festival. If neither of those sound like your jam, we'd still be happy to have you. We have a lot of other opportunities and we're happy to work with you to identify your interests in the festival and see where you would have the best fit. We want you to have a positive experience too. In exchange for volunteering, you receive a 2023 Lotus Volunteering t-shirt, as well as a free night of the festival to enjoy yourself. Again, I'm Patty Moon with the Lotus Education and Arts Foundation. On our website, you can find more information about the dates and schedule of the festival, in addition to more information on volunteer roles. Head to lotusfest.org volunteer. That's lotusfest.org slash volunteer. You've been listening to Activate, true stories from friends and neighbors who stand up for what they believe in. Activate is a partnership between WFHB and the City of Bloomington Volunteer Network, working together to build a strong, healthy, and engaged community with production support from students in the media school at Indiana University. You can learn more about volunteer opportunities in the WFHB listening area online at bloomingtonvolunteernetwork.org. That's bloomingtonvolunteernetwork.org.
Support for the WFHB Local News is brought to you by MPI Solar, a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. More information online at mpisolarenergy.com. listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's headlines were written by Brooklyn Lambright, Yane Sanchez-Lopez, and Noel Herhusky-Schneider, in partnership with CATS Community Action Television Services. Our feature was produced by Dave Askins. Activate is produced by Michelle Moss and Chad Carruthers. Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. For WFHB, this is your engineer and executive producer, Cade Young. And I'm Brandon Blewett. Thanks for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent daily news program. You can hear tonight's full broadcast online at WFHB.org. The WFHB Local News is also available as a podcast. Just search our call letters, WFHB, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Subscribe to never miss another local news program. Stay tuned for With Good Reason, coming up next on WFHB. You've been listening to the WFHB Local News on WFHB Community Radio. Our news is written and reported by volunteers working to provide local news, cover local issues, and strengthen our local community. We invite you to participate. You may submit questions, comments, and story ideas to news at WFHB.org. You can become a WFHB local news volunteer by attending new volunteer orientation. Feel free to check out the WFHB local news archive at WFHB.org to find newscasts, individual stories, and catch a live feed of the WFHB local news. We are local, longer, 